1926, two organizations were born that would shape the future of performing arts in Youngstown, Ohio. The Little Youngstown Symphony performed its first public concert, starting a legacy that would become the Youngstown Symphony Orchestra. Later that year, the doors to Stambaugh Auditorium opened for the people of Youngstown and surrounding areas. These are the stories, performances, and conversations of artists and supporters of these historic organizations. This is the 1926 Podcast. So introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. My name is Kivi Khan-Lippman, and I teach cello at YSU. How did, how did you get into music? Um, I came from a, a musical family. My mom had played piano growing up. Uh, my dad was a singer growing up. And uh, when I was uh, five years old, uh, we were learning addition in first grade. And um, apparently I was running around the classroom singing that I was a Yeti. <laughs> and I had this very kindly first grade teacher uh, who decided that I was very musical. She, mm-hmm. she couldn't say anything negative about any of the kids. She could only think as positively as possible. And she said, well, well, he, he is very musical when he's you know, disrupting the class. Yeah. Uh, so my parents decided I needed music lessons. And they asked what instrument I wanted. And I said, uh, the tuba. And they said, no, what instrument do you really want? And I said, the drums. Mm-hmm. Um, and they handed me a violin. And uh, I hated the violin. I hated the mean violin teacher who lived down the block from, from us. Uh, and I wasn't allowed to touch the violin either. It was all about learning how to respect the violin and hmm. uh, learn all the names of its parts and learn how to read music and respect the violin, but don't touch it. Sure. Uh, and the story goes, I don't remember this, that um, in the third lesson, I picked my nose and wiped it on the violin. And then oh, no. that teacher went away. And <laughs> and I was handed a cello. Yeah. And, and when I picked my nose and wiped it on the cello, the new teacher was just like, okay, that's gross. Let's clean that up and play some music. And, <laughs> and I said, great. I so. love that. So you disrespected the violin. You mm-hmm. ended up with a cello. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even my top three choices. <laughs> um, so did you uh, end up studying music in college? Mm-hmm. Did you go to college? Yeah. Okay. I, um, so I had a bunch of hobbies in high school, and cello was one of them. Um, I loved I, I really loved playing cello. I did the New York Youth Symphony. I grew up in the uh, right outside New York City in Westchester County. Hmm. And uh, so I played cello. I played tennis, not very well. I played chess, really not very well. <laughs> uh, I played a lot of video games and Dungeons and Dragons, which were not viable career options, sure. unfortunately. Well, now they and would so, be. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But m- music seemed to be the only thing that I enjoyed doing that I could actually potentially uh, do for a living. Mm-hmm. And um so I auditioned for a bunch of music schools. Uh, I ended up at Oberlin for my undergrad, uh, and and I loved it. And I went on and got a master's uh, at Juilliard and a doctorate in Cincinnati mm. um, nice. because I knew I wanted to teach, and the path to getting a full-time university teaching job is is getting that doctorate. Sure, yeah. So, so that I guess that kind of explains how you ended up teaching. How did you end up teaching at YSU? Um, so I had a couple of different teaching jobs that were uh, part-time or non-tenure track, uh, and I was freelancing in New York City and uh, sort of waiting for a tenure track job to open up that uh, that I could win. Mm-hmm. And this was this was the one that I won. Nice. It was, uh, it was really exciting. I didn't know anything about Youngstown except just from driving through between Oberlin, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and New York, where I where I was from. Um, and so I I I passed. Uh, 
I, I passed Youngstown when I was driving along 80. I, uh, I recognized the sign for the Jib Jab hot dog shop. Yes. Up, up in Girard. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd stopped there once or twice mm-hmm. just because I was sort of curious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I came and uh, interviewed here and found that I, I really loved the place. Well, that's awesome. I think that YSU definitely has a a good music education program, for it's got sure. a wonderful music education mm-hmm. program. Uh, most of our music majors are music ed majors, and we have almost 100% teacher placement. They finish here, and they get a job right out of their bachelor's degree, which is which is an amazing opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now, what did you start out at YSU teaching? So I'm officially hired as the cello teacher, mm-hmm. uh, and because of – we're in band country, not orchestra country, and we don't have that many – school districts that have strings programs. So it's hard recruiting uh, recruiting string players, recruiting cellists. And so I'm uh, I'm the cello teacher, but there aren't that many cellists here. And so I'm also assigned uh, a lot of classrooms in addition to the cello and the and the chamber music and orchestra which which is part of the part of the cello curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I first arrived here, I was assigned two sections of music theory. And each semester that I've been here, I've taught either music theory or aural theory. So what goes into, what all is involved in just the general subject of music theory? So music theory is, uh, it's understanding harmonic progressions, how how harmonies work, how melodies work, what the structure is Mm -hmm. of music. Um, And the focus at the beginning is, it's pretty much all uh, classical, what we call the common practice of classical music, which is really... Music of about 1600 to 1800, uh, which had a bunch of a bunch of rules that were sort of standardized, codified, uh, and and eventually we get to more complex music, uh, mm-hmm. classical, contemporary music, some jazz. Um, so we're really just sort of understanding how all of this how all this works, how it all gets put together. Sure. Um, and you mentioned that you are teaching oral. Oral right theory. Now. It's basically ear training, mm-hmm. um, teaching students to. Uh, identify uh, harmonies by ear, um, how to um, how to notate melodies that they're just hearing, and also singing in solfege. We've all seen The Sound of Music with a do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. They're, that's what they're doing okay. in class is sight singing from different clefs and different keys, different, different progressions, melodic and harmonic. Mm-hmm. So it seems like identifying or ear training um, – is sort of an abstract concept almost, at least to an outsider. Is that something that that was difficult for you to wrap your head around? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I had trouble with this class. I didn't understand when I was an undergrad what the purpose was of this class mm-hmm. uh, because the skills that we learn in it aren't um, – they're not applicable in clear ways. What they're really doing is building musicianship in very subtle ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm constantly using these skills that I learned – in aural theory without realizing that I'm using them. Uh, so the, the actual exercises that we're, that we're doing, hearing dictations and notating them, I don't do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But because I spent so much time listening to music and trying to internalize how it was working and what I was hearing, um, it, it, it made me a better musician. Sure, yeah. So we all benefit a lot from these classes, even though, even though it's, not, it's not clear entirely how. Sure, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you have to take a certain amount of jet eds to make you a, a well-rounded citizen in society. Totally. So you have to take something like this to make you a well-rounded musician. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, 
So do you also have an interest in music outside of your profession? I mean, I, I, obviously you do because that's how you got here, but it seems like a lot of people, like if they're a chef, will be like, nope, I do not cook at home because that's my job. I don't want to think about it. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's a funny thing. When I, uh, so my, all of my training and all of what I do professionally is, is classical. Um, but when I'm, when I'm home, I almost never actually listen to classical music. Mm-hmm. I listen to all other kinds of music. Sure. What do you um, like to listen to? Adam? Um, I love Woodstock era rock. Okay. So like, like late sixties, early seventies, I, I just want to listen to like Crosby, Stills and Nash mm-hmm. and Zeppelin. I, I get into the eighties with some Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the sort of, um, I've heard it described as new grass, this mm-hmm. sort of crossover, but like the, uh, Appalachian folk and um, there's some jazz goes into it. It's sort of this fusion of a Ooh, bunch yeah. of different musical styles. Uh, um, Punch Brothers and Crooked Still and mm-hmm. yeah, that sort I like of thing. That. Uh, now, are you able to sort of turn the the technical side of your brain off when you're just listening to music to enjoy it? <laughs> it's actually hard. I, yeah. I spend a lot of time like like hearing the notes in solfege and analyzing what's happening harmonically. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. So t- teaching these classes sort of. <laughs> makes my brain do that. I can imagine. Uh, do you play anything besides the cello? I play a bunch of instruments that are sort of peripheral to mm-hmm. cello. Um, I got really into early music and the um, instruments that came before the cello that sort of evolved uh, almost Darwinian fashion uh, into the cello. Mm-hmm. So the viola da gamba and medieval VLs, um, the lirone, these are all instruments that from a distance, if you saw me playing it, you'd be like, "Oh, that he's playing the cello." Sure. They're about cello sized. They've got, they've got strings. They've got a bow, mm-hmm. um, but they're all very subtly different. Some of the strings are, they're, they're tuned differently. They've got frets. There's seven strings or twelve strings, um, and they're used in different contexts mm-hmm. in in Baroque music and Renaissance music and medieval music. Yeah, I guess that's something that um, most people probably don't think of is that. They didn't just decide one day, okay, here's a cello, here's a flute. They had to evolve from something. Yeah, right? the cello shows up in the in the 16th century, but it's not in widespread use uh, in Italy until the 17th, um, in France until the until the 18th. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were all these instruments that that came before. Um, that some of them had two strings, some of them had 20 strings, and uh, over time, the violin family sort of became the European uh, classical stringed instrument. Mm-hmm family but there were a bunch of other stuff a bunch of other kinds that came before yeah that's crazy i love that um so let's talk about uh the the children's concert on may 1st um can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there sure well the dana ensemble is a new uh performing group uh, out of ysu it's a faculty collective that we can sort of uh mix and match uh our roster depending on who's needed for for which program Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is our last concert of the year of our four concerts, and it's going to be a really fun children's concert uh, up in Stambaugh. And we've got uh, Jim Tressel as our special guest narrator, and we'll be performing Peter and the Wolf by Prokofiev and Carnival of the Animals by Saint-Saëns. Nice, nice. Now, is this something that um, has happened before, like pre-COVID, or is this a brand new thing? This is a brand doing? new thing. Uh, awesome. We started it during COVID uh, just to have a faculty performing collective that represented all of us. There had always been a, there was a Dana piano trio and a Dana woodwind quintet and brass quintet. 
And all of those groups also make up the Dana Ensemble. But this was a chance for us all to perform together. I was really excited by it because I'd never heard many of my colleagues play. I'd never played with most of them. Mm-hmm. And, and suddenly there was a chance to. There's a lot of repertoire that uses a chamber orchestra like this. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's really fun. I think it'll be a great show. Um, how does the narration get woven into um, the music? In the Saint-Saëns piece, the narration, uh, it consists of poems that are read in between the different movements mm-hmm. of the music. So each uh, each movement is named after a different animal, and, and there's, a, there's a poem that, sure. that President Dressel will read. Uh, in the Prokofiev, the, the words take place within the music itself, and, and our conductor, Michael Butler, will give, will give cues, mm-hmm. and, and Jim Tressel will read the, the narration at the right time. Awesome. Well, it sounds like it'll be really great. Um, a great way to get, you know, younger children exposed to classical music, yeah. uh, which I think is very important. Obviously. Absolutely. The, and these were the two pieces uh, that got me exposed to classical music at a very early age, along with Tubby the Tuba. Oh, OK. <laughs> is that what inspired you to want to play the tuba? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> so when Tuba Christmas comes around, are you like, oh, I could have been in that? Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Um all right. Well, I think that I have taken up enough of your time today. Is there anything else, like a personal project or anything that you want to plug or promote before we go? You're uh, like, where do I start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I direct or co-direct a bunch of different ensembles in my, in my spare time with friends, mostly from, mostly from the New York area from the time that I was, I was there freelancing. I've got a few new discs that will be coming out this year, mm-hmm. uh, including one by my ensemble Makaris, and another by the Strange Vials, and another by Acronym, which oh, is my nice. uh, Baroque string band mm-hmm. that performed here at Dior a few years ago. Awesome, awesome. And now, are there um, places on the internet where uh, people can find these things? Yeah, go okay. to go to Spotify, go to iTunes, go to Amazon. You can find all of the previous discs by each of these groups, mm-hmm. and and the the new discs will show up there when when the time comes. Awesome. Well, I'll uh, put those links in the description of the podcast, and. Um, We'll go from there. So thank you so much for coming on. Sure.